Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Zom with his new food review for July 23rd, 2023. Actually, you never know what you're going to get, but um, I don't know if you're going to get a food review. Um, I just thought I would jump on and say hello to everyone. Everyone! And uh, <laughs> I am going to talk about some movies and comic books and shit. Haven't been watching too much of anything. So let's go, everyone, to Gentleman's Guide to Comics first. Because that's the first thing that I... Um, we'll talk about that. I, I just posted a couple things. So while they're fresh in my mind, dig it. Um, I have not read the new, or well, I don't, uh, well, 2023 blade number one. I'm going to check that out. Brian posted that, um, uh, the other day. And so I like blade. I love those movies. I, I liked Blade in Tomb of Dracula way back when, when Tomb of Dracula was really great. Um, so that's something I want to check out. Um, so if you do have any recommendations of anything that you are reading, uh, whether it's, um, you know, comics or trade paperbacks or graphic novels or anything like that, Gentleman's Guide to Comics, uh, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, let's see. I have been reading Red Goblin, and um, I didn't know anything about this. Um, basically, I'm on issue, I'm just starting issue three, so I got issue one and two in the books, but the cover art and everything looks really good. Um, just getting caught up on modern Marvel, uh, Marvel was my comic and I used to read it all the time, all Marvel comics. So I was more um, into Marvel and knowing what was going on, but I haven't read a lot lately. I had been mostly reading Dark Horse and things like that, um, and some DC. Uh, but anyway, so I started reading Red Goblin, and this was is a newer comic um, by Pac Nadel Bazal. Dua and Curiel. <laughs> um, I guess basically the story is, is that Norman Osborn has went straight. Um, and, you know, the last that I remembered Normie, Nor or Norman Osborn, was when he, um, I think he became like the president of the United States, but he had a um, um, Dark Avengers uh, team that had like uh, Dakin, um, Wolverine's son. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in that. Maybe uh, Bullseye and a bunch of villains, but they were dressed up as the Avengers. And so anyway, um, that was pretty good. But I think what they found, and I'm just trying to piece this together as... In this comic, Norman Osborn is pretty much a good guy. And I'm thinking that maybe they were saying that he 
uh, was mentally ill from, you know, the so they couldn't hold him responsible for all the shit that he had done in the past. So I don't know if he got treatment or if it had something to do with the goblin serum uh, that he had been taking when he was Green Goblin that drove him insane and then he was cured of it or something. But anyway, so this basically, he is a grandfather in this. And his uh, son, I guess Harry, must be dead. And uh, this is just a back, back story. Like I said, I'm piecing together. You guys might even know the whole thing, but uh, I'm not going to tell you everything that's going on. I'm just kind of giving you an idea since this is issue one. But uh, Norman is a um, grandfather now, and his son, or his grandson, Normie, He's uh, Norman is now a uh, you know pretty good uh, grandfather, family man, and everything. Even though he still is um, you know an industrialist, and uh, you know uh, 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 I don't know if I, I don't know if I would say narcissist. I, I'm not sure, um, but he is more. I mean, like about his family, and I think he feels bad about uh, deep down about all the stuff that he has caused in the past with Spider-Man and stuff like that. So anyway, um, Normie, uh, the grandson, somehow has, I believe, well, he has a symbiote. And I believe it is part of the one that was in um, Carnage, maybe? and Because the comic is Red Goblin. And uh, so Normie is, um, he has this, and he's just a little kid. I mean, he's like in, I think like in fucking grade school. Um, and then he has a little brother too, but the little brother is not involved as far as the um, superhero stuff goes. But Normie has this um, symbiote, the, this red symbiote, and it, it, of course, wants to, you know, kill and stuff. But it loves Normie, so he it's almost like his pet. Like if he had a pet dog or a pet pit bull that would, you know, uh, obey his every command. And it wants to protect Normie, but like if these little kids are bullying him at school, he doesn't want the thing to freaking murder little kids, even though they're assholes. But so anyway, he keeps it in this uh, like duffel bag, and then if he needs it as far as going out and, you know fighting a supervillain or rescuing somebody or something like that, then he he still will keep it, you know, try and keep it uh, on a tight leash and tell it not to kill anybody or anything, but it wants to. I mean, and it wants to, you know, avenge him or, you know, get revenge for him or whatever. So this has been pretty good so far. I mean, I, I like it. I mean, I, I was just thinking while I was reading it that... Um, you know, some of this might appeal more to like uh, younger kid, little kids, or younger kids, or anything. But it was still, it's still, you know, worth a read. It's still pretty good. Um, I was reading, um, uh, and this is a Dark Horse comic: uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, and Stranger Things. Uh, you know, mashup or crossover. Oh, this chair. Of course, now I'm already bitching about my back. Uh, the other day, I was doing some stuff out, moving some porch furniture and putting some um, 
indoor outdoor carpet down on my porch and i had a whole after all these years i have uh, had accumulated just all this stuff on my little side porch there and um so it gave me an excuse to get all that stuff off there and put away plus you know spray down the whole thing really good and then put this indoor outdoor carpet down and i uh, got some new um uh you know uh, colorful flowery padding for my uh porch furniture even though the porch furniture is like my grandma's uh from my god she probably got it back in the 60s who knows and these boar bees they look like bumblebees but they chew on wood and burrow into wood uh i noticed this year we've had a lot of those and there were some that were gnawing or gnawing <laughs> on my porch furniture just this one chair and uh so now it has these big holes in the in the arm of the chair i probably one of these days should just get new porch furniture but i don't even sit out there uh marion chief used to sit on the porch furniture all the time and um uh, so that my cushions and everything were all real dirty looking and grimy looking but you know now i just have mary and she doesn't get up on it at all doesn't get up on them at all and um so you know it made sense just to you know replace those and have something that looked like somebody might want to actually sit on but anyway um so then my back was kind of hurting because i have this like uh it's like a stone uh well it's made out of like concrete and rebar but it was like a donkey pulling a a, a little cart like a flower pot thing and the goddamn thing must weigh fucking, I don't know, over maybe like 50 pounds or more. And uh, I used to put like the dog food in there and, and have a water bowl beside of it. And then, you know, you start getting birds coming up on the porch constantly getting the dog food. But then they shit all over the railing and all over everything. And also you get like mice and, um, and possums and stuff like that coming up on the porch to eat the, the food. So now that I just have her, and we're inside most of the time anyway, she doesn't like staying outside by herself most of the time. Um, you know, I don't put any food outside uh, unless I'm going somewhere, you know, for, uh, you know, I know I'm going to be gone for more than a couple of hours and I'll put food out for her. Um, but anyway, so then my back was kind of hurting and I tried to stretch uh, the other day. And then... Um, my god i went out the other day to go to the stow and uh my goddamn car wouldn't start and after like nine years my fucking car battery finally went dead and it was dead to the point that um it wouldn't even start with a jumper box i have one of those uh jumper boxes that i keep in the trunk and it was charged up and everything and uh when i hooked it up it made the um some of the lights come on but it wouldn't it wouldn't turn over the engine it wouldn't start but the thing about that was this car when i opened the hood of my car i was like where's the fucking battery at well it looked like there were two terminals positive and negative up in the front left corner where you know battery usually would be but there was just this little fuse box there and that was it well the battery for that car is in the trunk and it is um, right beside, underneath the thing that covers up the spare tire. It's right beside the spare tire. And um, so they have uh, those terminals in the front of the car. And it kind of makes sense because 
then if you no matter how you're pulled into a parking space if you need somebody to jump start your car with jumper cables you can do it from the front or the back um and um but the thing is you know just about everything on that fucking car is electric so i had to um i had never gotten in there with the spare tire or anything and um, so I looked it up on YouTube, and uh, and uh, but the trunk wouldn't open because it's you know got a push button, it's electric, and then the door was open, uh, both the passenger side um, or not passenger side, driver side and driver side back seat doors were unlocked, but even the button inside the car to open the trunk wouldn't work. Um, so I had to look it up, and you have to put the back seat down and then crawl through and there's like a yellow uh, thing that looks like a goddamn ripcord uh, thing on a parachute and pull that and it manually just opens the trunk and i guess that's in case you would ever happen to get like trapped inside your car as far as like a wreck or something and you need to get out there's a way to get out manually if your doors won't open and you know the trunk is not damaged you could actually or at least try it you know crawl through there and pull that and you can get in the trunk so i did that and then um you know i'm just i am i don't know i'm not paranoid but i always think the worst i think okay this is going to be more difficult than and i'll probably get a new battery and the battery won't fucking work and it's so it's not the battery and blah 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 blah. i think all the worst or i won't be able to get it out there'll be something down in there and which there was one screw on this little plate that is down around the base the bottom of the battery that holds it in place and it has like it had like a little ratchet strap that goes around it too that holds it in place but this little thing holds it too and to get it out you have to take that off and it was down i mean it's such a small space i couldn't hardly get my hand down in there to get it but i did get it off and i got the battery there was a big fiasco i i ordered a battery from um advanced auto and they it said on there that for like eight bucks they would deliver it to your house same day so i ordered that motherfucker at like three o'clock in the morning and it said it would be there from 8 a.m to 8 p.m i sat here all fucking day and it got to be like 7 30 at night and i was like okay now what the fuck this goddamn thing not gonna come or whatever so i got on their website and i um just not the store website that specific store website but the corporate website and i said hey what's going on are they coming or not and the person on there said um that um she checked and she said that uh it hadn't even been processed and i was like it hasn't been processed i sat here all day waiting for this goddamn thing and i paid like eight bucks for it to be delivered today and i don't have a car you know and I just, but my, my one thing I told my sister was, I just didn't want to bother anybody, you know, if I didn't have to. If they could deliver it that day, I'd just do it myself. And I wouldn't have to have somebody come pick me up or whatever. And my neighbor that I could get, he, uh, he just started a new job, so he wasn't at home. And so anyway, um, she said, well, I, I'll take the $8 charge off. And um, I checked, and the driver is no, isn't, isn't delivering uh is done delivering for the day and i'm like okay and then she goes well and i said well you know she said it, it will be there tomorrow between eight and noon 
And I said, well, that's fine, but is it going to be here between 8 and noon? I don't want to sit here waiting again and waste a whole other day uh, waiting for this thing, and it doesn't show up. Oh, yeah, she goes, well, let me put you on hold, and I'll check. So apparently, I don't know if she called the store manager or what, and she comes back on and says, they don't do delivery anymore. And I'm like, well, that's nice. You're sitting there telling me that it's going to be here from 8 to noon. And if I wouldn't have had you check, I would have still sat here and it still wouldn't have come. Then um, she said, well, I'll take that charge off. And um, I can't remember what else, but I was really pissed. And I said, just, and she said, well, if you can make uh, arrangements to just, you know, pick it up or whatever. And I, I just told her, I said, just forget it. I said, just refund my money. So they refunded my money, and I ended up, I contacted my sister, and she lives uh, pretty close to an advanced auto, the same place, but it's a different store. And um, I went ahead and ordered one. She stopped by and picked it up the next day and brought it over, and I pretty much got it put in, you know, fairly easily. Uh, um, and so, but I had to lift that battery out of there, and that fucking thing felt like it weighed about 50 pounds. Which it's not heavy, but when you have when you have a herniated disc in your fucking back, just anything can irritate it or set it off, and um, just it was awkward having to lean across the trunk to grab a hold of that thing and pull it out. Plus, then I right before she got there, I had been mowing and weed eating, and so any anyway, so it was just kind of so that's why the chair and everything is probably bugging me now so quickly but i moved hey i moved the pad up this is the the saga of zom's back which i'm sure you all are so thrilled to hear about every goddamn time i'm on here but so um and i rode my motorcycle uh yesterday for probably maybe a little over an hour and when i got right when i was getting ready to come back my leg my left leg just started going numb and uh it started bothering me so it was time to quit I got back and, you know, of course, you know, getting off the bike is no picnic when that's happening. And, um, but I got in, you know, everything was cool. No episodes on the bike, the little Honda. But I was thinking about um, buying a scooter, one of those ones that's like a step through, like a Vespa. Um, This one place that's about an hour from here sells Vespas. And they make a Vespa 300 that it's powerful enough to go like on the highway um and um i was thinking about that or the yamaha has one um and i'm trying to think who well suzuki has has a 400 um and i was thinking about getting one of those because it would be more probably more comfortable and easier for me to get on and off of and you know the one thing i was thinking yesterday was you know maybe maybe it's just time to you know, not maybe like like I said, maybe just I got that one bike. It's paid for. Just ride it every once in a while. But you know, I might just be getting you know kind of old, and it's just not going to be comfortable. I'd hate to you know get something new and it just be the same thing. So, but the one Vespa place, um, they have one uh, that's well, it's a 2020, but it has no miles on its brand. It's basically brand new but it got the one of the the back fender not the side not the side that the uh the uh engine and stuff is on um it has a dent in it uh from shipping 
And those things, I think they had them, like, it depends on what one you get. There's one that's like a, a 300 GTS Tech. And then all the, like, the the screen for the uh, speedometer and everything is all digital, like a fucking iPad or something like that. Um, and then, so that one's more expensive, which is what that one is. It has the dent. And they had it for, I think, like 5400 bucks, And... Um, most of the ones that they have on there that are brand new, even if they are um, the ones that are um, no, no it's, if it's a 300 GTS, no matter you know whether it's high tech or not. I mean, the other ones are high tech, but they're analog. I think they're more analog as far as like the speedometer and the gauges go, but they still have ABS and traction control and all that shit. But um, most of those are seven thousand dollars and and up. Well, from seven to you know mid seven to maybe seventy eight hundred or something like that. But so then, if you're getting this one for fifty four, and, and I traded in my other one on that one, and I've always wanted one of those. So, but but you know who knows? We'll see. Uh, they do have a, a Yamaha. Um, X Max uh, at the place that I one of the places I usually go to buy mo- my bikes, which is like about I don't know 12, 15 miles away from my house, and um, it's used, but it doesn't hardly have any miles. It has like under I don't know under f- four thousand miles on it, but they still want like six thousand something for it, and I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, I've got the one. It's, it's mine is a 300, my motorcycle, which is a small, light, and not powerful, you know, motorcycle. But it's fun for me to just kind of put around on going on, you know, these little country roads and stuff. So I might just end up keeping that because, like I said, you know, what's if I, you know, I'm having all these back problems and stuff, if I get something like that and, you know, and then you hardly ride it, it's just kind of like, okay, well, fuck. Um, but I started reading uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Stranger Things, Dark Horse crossover. Uh, and uh, I thought it was pretty good. I watched the first season of Stranger Things. I didn't watch, I haven't watched any more of it. And my sister told me her and my brother-in-law really loved the first season, but they said that the second, they, you know, the second season was okay, but it, it was just a lot of the you know more of the same so they didn't get into it as much so i didn't really have a uh, a real rush to run out and watch that anyway and i liked um the uh old teenage mutant ninja turtle black and white comics that were you know pretty violent and you know even though they were ninja turtles they weren't like your mom's your, your mom's your little kids you know ninja turtles they were it was they, it was violent and uh uh, had a lot of action in it and stuff like that. Um, I've read the first issue of this and the kids from Stranger Things, uh, you know, take a uh, like a field trip to New York and um, they come to find out that uh, the upside down world and the demigorgons and things like that, I guess, are following them. And this leads them to get become engaged with um, the 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I'm going to have to, you know, I, I think that there might only be one issue out so far. So I'm going to, I want to keep up with that one. It was fun. You know, like I said, if you like, if you liked the Stranger Things show, I think they get the, the characters of the kids down pretty good. And, um, you know, like I said, the Ninja Turtles, I'm just, you know, it's, it's an interesting mashup. I would have never thought about it, but, um, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with it. Uh, let's see here. I read, uh, X-Force, uh, the ghost calendar. Calendars. Um, I have read some of this new X-Force and I think it's pretty good. It's pretty entertaining. The team is pretty good. Uh, Deadpool is there. Um, and, um, you know, let's see, I'm trying to think who else. There's, uh, I think Rogue, um, Colossus uh mystique and i'm trying to think who else but this hat uh, it's hard to talk about this one without giving uh stuff away there's one character that they have been speculating from the x-men comics uh that people have been speculating might not be who he says he is and uh they're kind of showing what has this kind of gives, you know, I don't know if I would say gives it away, but uh, my sister just sent me a um, DM about CW, or she must be listening to CW McCall's Convoy from 1975 on her Sirius XM. She took a picture of the uh, dashboard. Um, but anyway, so this one kind of tells what's going on uh, with that character and um the and x-force kind of doing some uh time jumping they have a character in there uh who i don't i wouldn't say he's like their he's kind of like their leader it's not professor x it's some old dude dude and i can't remember what his name is it like edwin or edward or something like that i can't remember but he has the ability to um like travel through time and stuff so if they need to kind of, uh, you know, teleport to a different time and things to find out what's going on and take care of business. So they're doing that. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I read a few issues. I'm going down through here, you know, as I posted this stuff. So uh, some of it, you know, this is the last issue I've read, which is issue number 42. Nice cover on it, too. Uh, it says, uh, let's see, what's it say here? Percy Davidson and Guru. I guess that's the people that are writing and drawing and inking and all that stuff. But you have a picture of this villain uh, kind of grabbing a hold of Mystique and he's got Deadpool and, you know, kind of in a pretty bad way. All the all the X-Force. Uh, Omega Red is also on this X-Force team, I guess. And we'll, uh, is that Wolverine? No, that's not Wolverine. That is um, uh, Wolverine's, you know, pseudo-daughter. Uh, was it x is it X-23? I'm trying to remember the names and everything like that. Uh, let's see here. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Stranger Things crossover is written by Cameron Chittock. Uh, art by Pharaoh P.E. Colors by Sophie Dodgson. Letters by Russ Wooten. So there you go. I actually did post that. Usually I don't pay that much attention to uh, all the, um, you know, uh, the titles and stuff like that or the um, credits. 
I don't know why. I mean, when I was a kid, when I was younger, like when I was in college, I knew like, you know, Jim Lee and, um, uh, you know, of course, uh, Ditko and, um, you know, uh, Frank Miller and uh, Kirby and all, you know, Stan Lee and all these guys. And I knew the artists that I liked and when a comic would be, you know, like somebody that I really liked and, and then uh, maybe they didn't get the stuff turned in on time. So the next month's issue was somebody that you could tell, you know, they're, drawing wasn't as meticulous and it was uh, something that looked like somebody could put out quickly and then it's kind of a letdown but then they get back to it you know that was I wouldn't say it was a it wasn't a big problem back then because it might just be one or two issues or you would be reading something say like uh, with uh, McFarlane or um, or Jim Lee or something and I hated those ones where you'd have like two or three pages of Jim Lee and then you'd have uh, four or five pages of somebody that was, you know, kind of a bare bones artist that, you know, would just knock out stuff really quick and it kind of throw you off. And then it would get back to the to the really good artist. But, you know, you didn't think back then that, you know, I mean, these guys are it takes some time to draw some of the stuff if it's really good and really, you know, uh, detailed and everything. Um, uh, you know, just reading uh, that that Marvel the Marvel book that came out about the back back uh, story thing about Marvel, and also the uh, image documentary that they had come out. Uh, you know, they're talking about uh, you know um, deadlines and things like that. And you know, you had some artists that could just like you know Kirby was like that. He could just knock stuff out, bam, 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 and you know, no problem. Uh, but then, you know, if you if you want something like, you know, McFarlane and uh, uh, like I said, Jim Lee and stuff like that, that's really detailed and that looks really great. I mean, it takes time to put it out and it probably is tiresome and and they might not meet the deadlines. Let's see here. What else we got? Yeah. This was from Mapco. Uh, first issue from summer of 2003. Uh, for $10, it says. Canon, the magazine for readers of fine comics. Okay, and he has an interview on there with Carl Stevens, Tom Manning, and John Allen. So that looks pretty cool. Um, He usually, uh, Mapco usually posts some really, you know, cool stuff that you don't get from, you know, I, I don't want to say over here, because, I mean, I'm, you, I'm in the U.S., uh, but some interesting stuff. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of, you know, you guys know some of this stuff, and I just don't. So, But it's it's always, I always like seeing and reading about uh, something out of the mainstream. That's what got me into Dark Horse at first. Um, and they are, they have a lot of, I mean, they have a lot of everything now. But, of course, you know, at first it was Hellboy, then BPRD. And, and they have a lot of, uh, you know, horror and occult-based stuff. But they do have superhero stuff, too, and, and other things. So um, I like that company. Let's see. What do I have here? Captain America and Falcon. This is something I posted uh, from... This is issue 2001, September 2001. 30 cents. I think when I first started reading comics... Uh, they had just switched from 20 cents to 25 cents. And because um, I do, you know, of course, I got some back issues that were cheaper than that, like uh, 20 cents and 15 cents. But most of the ones that I first started getting when I was a little kid, and that was just every once in a while. I mean, we didn't have uh, that I knew of any kind of mail delivery or anything. You had to go to the drugstore and they had the little spin rack. 
And of course, you know, when I was a little kid, I didn't, you know, didn't have any money. You know, your mom would give you, like I said, if she'd give you a quarter, you could go buy a comic book. So, I mean, I would get one every once in a while and say my neighbor or one of my friends would get one and we'd swap them. And, and uh, again, that was back, you know, when you were a little kid and nobody, I mean, we weren't collecting and we just, you know, we read them until the covers fell off and then kept reading them. And I still have some of those ones with the covers, you know, that came off uh, of the staple and those pages are tattered and everything. But I still wouldn't get rid of them because they have a lot of sentimentality to them. Because, I mean, I would read these over and over and over. I just love comics so much. I might get a Captain America and Falcon and not get another one for a month or more. But I would read that one over and over, you know, and look at it and try and draw the characters and everything and create my own stories and stuff. Uh, let's see. It's them, Cap. The Night People. That's Falcon. And uh, Cap says... And if we can't stop them, they'll destroy the world. And then he has like a bunch of uh, people down here at the bottom that look like, uh, I don't know. They, they all look kind of like, not Morlocks, but, you know, they're humans. But they look, you know, kind of uh, scary. And then one of my favorites from back then was when they started um, doing um, Marvel Super Action which were, I guess, reprints of old Captain America stories that were really cool. Um, and this was issue number two. Uh, issue number one and two of this I still have. Again, they're probably pretty creased and tattered and everything, but uh, Marvel Super Action with uh, Captain America. And the first two issues have a lot with the Red Skull. And um, uh, this issue, uh, when, the, when Wakes the Sleeper, and uh, Red Skull has this, um, it's not a cosmic cube. It looks like a little uh, gem, but it's a key. And they have this big piece of stone. And when he holds the, uh, the, this key thing up to the stone, it's, it's not a, a golem or a golem, uh, but that's what it kind of reminds me that it comes out of this rock uh, or stone. But when it comes out, it kind of looks like a, a robot. Uh, but an interesting looking, strange looking uh, creature. But it, it's, it, it doesn't, I mean, like I said, it doesn't look like a golem. It, it looks more like a, um, uh, some kind of, it's humanoid, but more of a, um, uh, maybe like not an alien, but some kind of humanoid, like a high tech thing, android or something. And Cap's got to battle that. And, I, you know, that was such a good... Those first two issues were so good. Those are two that I read over and over and over. And I loved how they portrayed the Red Skull, uh, you know, and how they drew him and everything. It was awesome. Uh, What's this from Pat? Uh, 70 Sci-Fi Art. Jack Kirby from 1969. This is pretty cool looking. Um, hmm. What's this remind me? This reminds me of almost like something that would have been in uh, uh, Yodorovsky's Dune or something. You know, I always like Kirby and, you know, his art style and how he would do like mechanical things and uh, technology and things like that, as well as combat, you know, all the movement and the kerpals and things like that and buffoons and uh, kabrooms and all that. Um, let's see what else we got. Chum. Um, the Uncanny X-Men, issue 190. 
uh, and this was when this was uh, when um, Cullen Gath, this uh, wizard from back in uh, the Hibernian age with Conan the Barbarian and Call and all that shit, uh, somehow manages to come to modern day, and he put a spell around Manhattan Island and made everything seem like it was kind of back in those days. And he mutated Caliban and uh, Professor X into one being. Scream, Xavier, scream. Through you I shall rule the X-Men and the world. And it has guest, the guest stars are Spider-Man and the Avengers. And he crucifies Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man's all tattered and beaten almost to death. And he crucifies him, which was, it was all pretty cool. Any of the superheroes that are outside that spell outside of Manhattan they can't get in and you know everything I guess looks normal or whatever but inside it's just craziness and I just thought this was such a good story I uh, this was kind of a uh, it was so strange and odd and um, it was disturbing <laughs> a little bit disturbing how this uh, wizard you know how how powerful and uh, and some of the sadistic shit that he did so that was pretty cool uh, I had down here a, um, let's see, this is by Amir Cameron of DeviantArt. Uh, he did a really cool picture of, uh, or it might be a, f a female or male, I don't know, Amir Cameron um, of DeviantArt. Uh, did a picture of uh, God's, or, uh, uh, King Kong. It's in New York because you can see the um, Empire State Building in the back. But he has Godzilla by the throat. And then the other one looks like it is the Godzilla from the Matthew Broderick uh, movie with Jean Reno. And he's got it in a headlock. I thought that was a pretty cool picture. Uh, you know, some of the, some of the uh, you know, fan art and things like that that people do are, you know, really good. And some of them that are shitty are still good to me. Because I remember when, you know, like I said, just, you know, used to doodle and draw stuff. I think Ken, uh, who is a great friend of uh, mine and of the group and everything, also, um, you know, he posted some of his doodles uh, just uh, last week or so. And I still have some that I... Uh, I did when I was in school. That was when I would doodle a lot because I would just be mind. My sister and I were just talking about this uh, and, and my brother-in-law about how mind-numbingly dull uh, school was. And uh, even at my job uh, before I retired, um, uh, we would have these classes that they would pay like money to have this company come in and give these classes for a week and I would be sitting there and I would be so fucking bored and I the manuals that they would pass out I was doodling just like I did in grade school junior high and high school in the margins and everything I was just like oh my god and I'd write down oh kill me now and things like that it's pretty funny um I found a thing on Twitter uh, this guy, Mike Hawthorne. This is really cool because I had never seen anybody draw like this uh, where he, um, you know, I would just, of course, when I was drawing, I would just, I'd never color, well, except for like a fucking coloring book, which is, I guess, a way to, you know, learn how to be, you know, how to color things as far as if you were doing comics, you know, they have somebody that does the pencil, then somebody who does the ink, and then somebody who does the colors and things like that. Uh, you know, I would just try and draw stuff myself freehand, uh, you know. Um, 
but um, the, this Mike Hawthorne is on Twitter and he shows how he does these sketches with uh, like colored markers and he just you know puts a piece of paper up well he might do like the um, the whole outline of a figure in just nothing but red marker and then he starts adding in the shadow so then he just does like all the you know stuff with the, the black marker the details and stuff and then maybe goes with a yellow marker and just keeps adding and adding until then finally you have a a full picture i've seen guys do that with paint where they do it with uh stencils and they start out with just like a big background of say that just the character's outline but it's in one color like i said like red and then they'll put a stencil on that might just be everything on that costume that is yellow then take that stencil off and then put another stencil up that's just everything that's in black or whatever and it's really cool to see it come together and this was i just discovered this the other day and i found a couple of them and i posted them on the gentleman's guide to comics and for you that are uh here for the movies i'll be getting to that here shortly i'm just going over this because <coughs> i thought it was cool um so i had a couple of those on there uh da -da -da -da, some funny um comic stuff on there with uh uh I'm i don't can't see who drew this but it's really funny it almost looks like a mad magazine art uh where uh batman is in all his armor and he says to superman do you bleed and before he can even get you will out of his mouth superman punches him in the face and his whole body flies out the back of uh of the armor in uh his in his little uh i guess uh white boxers with bats on them i think maybe that's kind of funny uh happy birthday to john byrne uh that was when what date was that july 6 uh and they had a um a picture of iron fist um king of kung fu action in the mighty marvel manor and i'm trying to read what this says but uh the living weapon something by my hand die and that's a really nice cover really cool i used to love those old iron fist comics and uh power man and iron fist i read those like they were going out of style because i loved kung fu back then at martial arts uh shang chi and that stuff this one is 30 cents it looks like it's october maybe october 8th but um somebody said something about john byrne kind of uh something happening here let me see what it says uh burn was my guy but this is from charles burn was my guy back in the day but i guess he's had some trouble since hope he works things out a tremendous talent i remember him saying that but i didn't go and look up what's going on with john burn but i loved his um his uh art back in the day he was a go-to guy that i no matter what he was drawing i think did, he did omac didn't he one man army corps i mean i know there were different things that the acronym OMAC ended up standing for. They, depending it, it, uh, when it was written and everything, they would change that. But uh, the ones that I was reading was One Man Army Corps, and I loved his art. So I need to go and maybe look at some of that. This is, let's just say here, but well, I don't want to click on a bunch of shit and get off track. Uh, let's see. Oh, hello, everyone. Um, I've been watching this guy that um, he kind of reminds me of like, hp lovecraft or something 
and he does food reviews on YouTube. So that's where I'm getting that voice that I started the show with and am doing now, where he's like, hello, everyone. Today, uh, Chick-fil-A is coming out with a um, barbecue chicken sandwich. And uh, I'm going to, you know, and the, well, I think one of the ways that I found him, now my tongue is tickling. Where's my water? Gah. That um, That impression tickled the end of my tongue. And I almost knocked over my buddy Jesus, which is sitting on my um, my uh, dresser there a little while ago. But I saved it, so that must mean good luck, right? Um, I think I saw a thing on um, YouTube. Uh, I don't think it was Wang. I think it, it was something else. But uh, somebody was doing like a, a video about that guy. And that he had supposedly maybe been having some problems and uh, was becoming paranoid because he would go through a drive-through and then he would sit in his car and do a review uh, of like a new sandwich or or something like that, new uh, chicken nuggets from uh, Hardee's or something like that, just different things. And he would give a food review of each thing that he was trying. And he started becoming paranoid that someone was following him. And um, there were people online that were saying that that because he is, you know, a bit of an odd kind of a guy, probably a nice, you know, nice guy, friendly guy and everything. But, you know, how people are online and people can be trolls and everything. And I think maybe uh, that people were speculating that some that people were messing with him. Uh, and telling him that they were going to find out where he was at or whatever. I don't know. And just messing with him. So he started, you know, getting paranoid thinking that they were, or that somebody was trying to, you know, kind of photo bomb him. And cause he would say, you know, he would be sitting in a parking lot eating a sandwich and he would see the same car, you know, keep going by his car. And, you know, who knows, maybe it was, could be security for the place or somebody wondering. I mean, I used to, go when I worked midnight shift I and I had a day off because I was still on midnight shift time I would be up all night long and I would go uh, when Walmart was open 24 hours and Hardee's was open 24 hours and they're like right across the street from each other and I would go to Walmart and buy some things maybe get a new movie to watch or a uh, you know get some groceries or something and then I would my treat was I would go over to Hardee's and I would get like a either like a, a couple of hot dogs which they had hot dogs at the time which were really good and uh, fries and a coke or like a big cheeseburger or something like that and um, I pulled over into the uh, the mall it was kind of a dead mall at the time now they've fixed it up and it's a a um, one of those kind of like commons places they took that mall that was nothing you know was a dead mall and they you 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 know walk outside from store to store but they just have all kinds of things they have a fitness place in the back they have a um, uh, that whole area they put like an emergency room and a hospital back behind there all kinds of restaurants uh, you know a liquor store they have a I think a cigar and cannabis place uh, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Michael's, uh, really good like bakery that serves food too that you can go in and eat lunch. But they serve they have like donuts and cookies and cupcakes and pies and cake and everything like that. 
Um, so it's really fixed up, and but right there beside it, uh, in that whole area, was um, um, Hardee's. McDonald's is really close. Uh, there's a Taco Bell, an Arby's. Um, I'm trying to think what else, but everything's right in that area. A hot dog place is across the street, and everything. So I, but the only ones that were open 24 hours were, um, you know, at the time was Walmart and uh, Hardee's. And so I got my food and I pulled over in that parking lot and there's hardly any cars except for maybe ones that are, you know, somebody is either parked there, left their car to go somewhere, meet somebody and then leave their car there and go somewhere else or um, a car that's broken down or somebody works there or maybe they're doing inventory or something. But there was in a whole mall parking lot, there's very few cars, if, if any at all. And so I just pulled over right there in a parking space and to, you know, kind of get situated and maybe start eating my food. And, uh, you know, sometimes I would sit there and listen to a podcast and and eat while I was sitting there. And sometimes I would just get my fries where I wanted them, my burger and my drink and everything, take a couple bites, and then I'd start driving. And I, I may have told this story, but I was sitting there and I, I, did, I had my f- car was still in drive, but I had my foot on the brake. And... Um, I think I put it in park. I put my foot on the brake or had my foot on the brake, put it in park and, 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 um, but somehow I, you know, hit my brake a couple times. And, uh, next thing you know, this car comes and I mean, I'm sitting there all by myself. There's not a car within goddamn a football field on all sides of me. And this car pulls up right beside me. And I'm like, what the fuck? But you know, I didn't want to look over. I was like, what the fuck's this asshole doing? And they just sat there. And so finally I looked over and I I had like a mouthful of food. And I looked over and I go, what? And it was a girl just sitting there in in her car. And when I did that, she just like took off. So I thought, you know, okay, either it was a hooker because my friend and former supervisor uh, who dated a truck driver at one time said, when you pull into a rest stop, uh, one way to get the hookers to, you know, the lot lizards, as she called them, to come over to your truck was you tap your brake lights. And so anyway, I thought, well, maybe this was a hooker thinking that I wanted, you know, a blowjob or something like that. Or it might have been somebody that was thought I was either selling drugs or buying drugs or, you know, I don't know. So I, then I after they left, I got my food and left. So I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know why I was telling. What was I telling that story about John? Maybe it went, maybe it was John Byrne. Uh, <laughs> let's see what we have here. This is from Mapco. Uh, let's see the building in Devnik newspaper printed in Novi Sad, autonomous province. Uh, Jovidina, Socialist Republic of Serbia and Yugoslavia, that brought us. Lunov Magnus Strip and the Golden Series filled with Bonelli characters, a regular series of comic magazines, millions of comics per month until the U disintegration. So Yugoslavia just, you know, falling apart or whatever. Uh, the newspaper exists today, still the lapdog of the government, but no comics. Well, that sucks. But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool, you know. It's, it's one cool thing about when you start getting older uh, it sucks to get older in some ways, but you do have memories of things from the past uh, that you can look back on and think, oh, that was pretty cool. You know, um, there are some collective uh, or uh, collections of newspaper um, comic strips that uh, there's one uh, of the comic strip Steve Cannon 
um, that I used to read in the newspaper every day. You know, you had like a family circus and Blondie and uh, there were some doc. I can't remember what the doctors ones were, but they were for all different ages. And you'd have like uh, maybe like four panels every day. Uh, and in the Sunday paper, they would have Prince Valiant and it would be in color. Uh, and, you know, like I said, like maybe like only only four panels, but it would give you something to look forward to for the next week. And I've seen like books of like Steve Cannon and some of those ones like that, which was like an adventure. He was like a pilot um, and uh, like more of an adventure comic. Uh, and they have those collections or of Dick Tracy, which is another one. That one, it wasn't always. In, I remember seeing the ones in color, but then, you know, you would get the black and white ones, too. Uh, the Dick Tracy and Steve Cannon and some of those, um, I wouldn't mind uh, getting those collections just to have them. But of course, you know, I say that, you know, and they're they're nice big hardback collectors things and everything. But I could, you know, you can probably just get online and somebody probably has every single thing on there. So, you know, I'd need to uh, maybe I just look into that. <laughs> I don't know why, I, but I, I I love buying myself a little treat every once in a while. Uh, which I, you know, for some reason I haven't, you know, there for a while. Maybe it's disposable income when I was uh, was still working. Uh, where I would just, you know, didn't give a shit, and I'd always be buying something on Amazon. Now, I can't tell you the last time. Well, I bought a pressure washer, uh, which is like more like a tool, you know, uh, from Amazon, and um, to spray, you know, clean my uh, awnings and um, my house. And uh, I started thinking, you know, now when you go to the car wash, if you go to an automatic car wash, you're spending over $10 every time, and uh, I can get this pressure washer for like, a, you know, hundred bucks or something and uh you know just do it all at home uh save some money it'll pay for itself plus i can use it to for a lot of other stuff but my friend gina reminded me as she was pressure washing i think her deck and had she was either barefoot or had a pair of sandals on and accidentally uh sprayed the top of her foot with the pressure washer and it kind of peeled some of the skin off she said do not she goes be careful when you uh you know your pressure washing uh, this is from Pat uh, from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Godzilla versus uh, Barkley, which is Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. That's kind of funny. Two ninety-five in U.S. I don't even know how much comics cost right now. Let's see. Read in awe as Godzilla battles Charles Barkley in a cataclysmic game of hoops. The uh, let's see, hoops that the likes which have never been. Witnessed by man. Godzilla arrives in the sunny California on a day when basketball player Charles Barkley is filming a commercial. Uh, through the use of a magic coin, Barkley grows. <laughs> that looks pretty funny. I mean, some of the some of those things is like a one-off. I don't know if that's real or not. Or if that's just a, uh, a cover. Let's see here. What's it say? Uh, through the use of magic coin, Barkley grows kaiju-sized by... Simbi fan. Uh, that's kind of pretty funny. Uh, let's see. Go all the way back to the 4th of July now. Okay, I read... Uh, this is from June 25th um, from Marvel Comics. Uh, Marvel Comics Annual number 1 uh, by Orlando, Nito, and Farrell. Uh, play, prelude to Contest of Chaos. This is the Scarlet Witch number 1 annual. This was pretty good, and it had... Um, Oh, what's her name? Uh, Agatha Harkness in it. Um, so it was pretty good. 
I, I remember liking that, even though it was all the way back to June. And then, uh, okay, I'm just about done with the comic talk here because I'm getting way back. Uh, this, some of the stuff I may have spoken about, I don't know. Uh, Ultimate Invasion by uh, Jonathan Hickman, uh, Brian Hitch, Andrew Curry, and Alex Sinclair. And this was one that I really liked and I need to uh, get back to. Uh, this was, I think, the first issue of this. And it has um, The Maker, which is the evil Reed Richards from the um, Ultimate Universe. And he is back. And I love that character. And uh, he is not in the Ultimate Universe. He is in... Was it... Is it 616? Is the regular Marvel Universe? I can't remember. Fuck. Okay. Uh, that, now I'm back to the X-Force. I was just telling you about the one X-Force that I read. And um, now the the other X-Force comics that I read. You have the new Craven movie that's going to be coming out uh, with Aaron Taylor Johnson. I thought this uh, trailer looked really good. It looks very violent. And the only thing was is that uh, I thought they probably... It definitely whetted my appetite because I thought it looked really like an R-rated kind of a deal. Very violent as hell. Uh, but I was like, God, I, I kind of turned it off before I finished it because I didn't want to see all of it, you know. Um, okay, yeah, the comic stuff is pretty much done. Uh, Panya, The Mummy's Curse uh, from Dark Horse. Um, this is uh, the old lady from Hellboy uh, that uh, is a... Um, well, she was in the last Hellboy movie um, that had the guy from Stranger Things in it, whatever his name is, I can't remember. Um, but that character, uh, this is by Mike Mignola, who I love, 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 love. Uh, Chris Robinson, Christopher Mitten, and Michelle Madsen. And I, need to, I haven't read that one yet. I need to check it out. I need to get back to my Dark Horse uh, because they always do a really good job. And that's like... Um, Hellboy was in BPRD, but then when he left the BPRD, they spun that off and had that BPRD comic, and there are so many characters in that that I loved that they actually spun off and had, you know, miniseries and stuff like that with those characters that were really good, like Abe Sapien and um, just different ones that I just loved. Um, so anyway, I need to check that one out. That's a good reminder. I put these things on here kind of to remind myself, and then I fucking forget. Okay, so let's get off the comic thing. I could probably sit here and keep going and going and going. John Romita Sr. died. That was... When was that? June 14th. Um, and I'm going to go over to the comic books. What's this? Jack Kirby stole his greatest creation from Hal Foster's Prince Valiant controversial episode and this is a uh, cartoonist kayfabe which is a really i think those guys both are from pittsburgh uh that is only about an hour and 20 minutes hour and a half from where i live uh, but i love that um i love that youtube channel they really uh, they have good stuff and they'll you know review some comics and go page for page just looking at the artwork and talking about it and everything uh, so apparently Jack Kirby swiped uh, the character, the demon from DC Comics, uh, from Hal Foster's Prince Valiant. That's what they're saying here. I haven't watched that yet, so I need to check that out. The first issue, DC issue, Jack Kirby's startling new epic, The Demon. Okay, 
And then there's a bunch of um, Alien versus Predator versus Terminator stuff that I want to, again, get back to. You know, I'm sitting around here and uh, in the air conditioning, and, uh, you know, I just read that, uh, read, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Goblin, while I was in the bathtub. And, um, you know, let's go over to some movies and stuff and see what's going on there. See how much time I've spent speaking about comics. Wow, killed a whole hour. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's see what's going on in the wrestling. I just saw, um, let's see, the uh, Blood and Guts um, AEW match uh, that had all the uh, Blackpool Combat Club plus Don Callis and Take a Shit uh, versus the... Um, Cowboy Page, Kenny Omega, um, the Young Bucks, and oh, what's that Japanese? The Japanese guy that they brought in for that—that that was one of the—isn't he the one that was one of the the Golden Lovers with Kenny Omega? But they had like it was kind of like a you know it's like a big Hell in the Cell um, uh, match uh, where they have two great two rings, uh, both of them covered by a cage that has a roof on it and anything goes um oh and i forgot wheeler well blackpool combat club is kenny omega wheeler yuda um claudio castanoli uh let's see take a shit and well daniel bryan is in that but was he in that and uh who else is in it was five on five, I think. But anyway, so they got in there and just fucking did all kinds of crazy shit. And, and uh, you know, um, thumbtacks, uh, you know, smashed glass on the mat. And uh, they had a big um, board that had like a... It's one of those boards that you would see back in the old days that the, in the carnival. It has so many nails in it uh, that... And they're so close together that you, you can lay on it without really you know getting impaled because your body weight's distributed uh and some barbed wire stuff and everything and um they just beat the fuck out of each other for like goddamn 40 some minutes or something uh oh uh pock the bastard pock pack pock was in it too and um i don't want to give any spoilers because some people may have not seen it yet i found a big uh, ceramic stan hansen it looks almost like a cookie jar, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> and of course, anything that's Hanson and Brody related, I have to uh, have to um, alert uh, Ian uh, El Goro. Uh, watched some matches here recently. Um, I, last night I watched uh, Kerry Von Erich and Dory Funk Jr. against the High Flyers, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel from 1984. Um, Care. This was from uh, All Japan. Um, Carrie looks great. He looks like a goddamn Adonis. He wasn't in it as much. Maybe it's because he usually, or he sometimes had some drug issues and would not be fit to wrestle. It was weird because he was he was wrestling barefoot in this match, which I uh, Kevin did all the time. After a certain point in his career, Kevin wore boots at the beginning, but then he started going barefoot all the time. Carrie looks like fucking Tarzan. And there's a movie, because this is movie-related, because there's a movie coming out called The Iron Claw or The Claw or whatever uh, about the family. Um, 
And um, uh, Dory Funk Jr. is, I would say he is probably, let's see, how old was he in this, I would think? Maybe mid-40s. He might have been 50. Uh, you know, he's an older guy. Greg Gagne looks like Gumby. You know, he never had a physique. He was always really skinny. Uh, Jim Brenzel still, you know, he was always really fit. And uh, and he was in the Killer Bees with B. Brian Blair, too. Uh, but it was a pretty good match. Um, like I said, Kerry wasn't. And when Kerry got in the ring, man, you know, the Japanese crowd back then usually didn't make a lot of noise. When he got in the ring, the, the fans, the girls and stuff would start, you know, kind of screaming and cheering and stuff because, you know, he's really good looking and built like a goddamn uh, Greek god. So that was that was pretty good. Um, it was an old, you know, old school match. A lot of, you know, headlock takedown and uh, uh, drop kicks and, um, uh, you know, not, not you know, a lot of the uh, Cirque Olay, uh, Lucha Libre kind of stuff. And they didn't, it, it was more like a straightforward um, uh, sports competition kind of thing. There wasn't even a lot of punches or anything. There was, <coughs> if there was anything, there were some forearms and chops. Uh, Stan Hansen cookie jar thing, which is it's just funny. It looks like something my mom used to make when she was doing ceramics. They, I, got, I don't even know how they did that. They would just like have a mold and make these things, and then they would paint them. I wish she would have made me a Stan Hansen thing. She made me a um, a uh, piggy bank, and it was uh, red, white, and blue basketball because I loved the Harlem Globetrotters back in the day with uh, Metal Arc Lemon and Curly Neal and Marcus Haynes and... Uh, Trying to think of Goose uh, Goslin and um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, watch Bruiser Brody and Terry Gordy from 1983 World Class. This is pretty good. Uh, the storyline with this was uh, Terry Gordy had went to a uh, quote unquote the Orient, or he went to Japan, a successful tour in Japan, and um, he came back with a new weapon that he learned from this guy who um, was Professor... This is another movie reference because Professor Toro Tanaka was in some movies too. Uh, I, I know he was in the Chuck Norris... Uh, was that Eye for an Eye, I think? Uh, but he was in a few movies. Um, but um, Gordy came back from Japan and he was fighting uh, Bruiser Brody on TV. And, um, and then in the end... Um, he attacked Brody with his Oriental Spike, which is like a solo on WWE now, uh, uses the uh, spike to the throat. And that's what Gordy would do. He would, uh, except solo just hits him with his thumb, kind of like, well, Ernie Ladd did it more like sneakily. He'd put him in a headlock and turn away from the referee and jam his thumb in the guy's throat. Uh, solo, you know, just holds his thumb up so everybody can see and it's all taped up and then he just drives it into their throat well Gordy would drive it into their throat but then he would like almost have like a rear chin lock holding that uh, thumb into the guy's goozle so that was kind of cool watch some uh, inspired by our good friend Ken uh, watch some uh, old Dick the Bruiser uh, matches from 1950s uh, one was, uh, I think, from Madison Square Garden, uh, was Dick the Bruiser uh, against uh, Pepper Gomez. And it's funny back then because the, um, the announcers would say uh, Dick Apples, and his name was Dick Affless. And I don't know if the guy was saying Affless, but it sounds like Apples. 
but his name was not Apples. It was Dick the Bruiser, and that's what he usually just went by. But they would, you know, his last name was Afflus, and he played football for the Green Bay Packers back before they became the dynasty in the 60s uh, when they sucked. Uh, he was an offensive lineman. And, um, but this is, you know, when people see some Dick the Bruiser stuff, they're like, oh my God, you know, he's so old. But, but they don't realize when it was like, uh, uh, mid to late seventies. I mean, he was old. He started in the fifties. Uh, and then, uh, John the Beast, uh, Yaketi versus Dick the Bruiser. That was a pretty good match. I love these old black and white matches. Just the, the you know, watching, looking at the crowd and how they're dressed and, uh, and everything. Plus, you know, how they cheer and get into it. And then everything again is in black and white. And the, the, um, you know, just the way the announcers were, it's like watching an old black and white baseball game or basketball game. You know, it really takes you back and it's much simpler times, but these two, you know, were two bruisers, you know, no pun intended, but, uh, they were two brawlers and bruiser was a big cheater back then. He was a bad guy. And, uh, let's see. Yaketi looked like, um, oh, almost like a, well, he was supposed to be kind of like a wild man. He wore like a, uh, furry, like loincloth kind of a thing, was barefoot, but he was real hairy, you know, hairy chest, hairy back, you know, uh, you know, long hair and a big old black beard. Uh, Bruiser was like the the uh, atypical bully in a bar, kind of, or a tough guy. He could pl- could have played like a, you know, Luca Brazzi or something like that in a mafia movie or something. Uh, let's see, Eo Sky is very cute. She's got the money in the bank thingy. Uh, Bulldog Brower against Mighty Igor. That's kind of a back from my old times. I really loved both those guys. Even though Bulldog Brower was a bad guy, he was nuts. And uh, had these really crazy bugging out blue eyes and built like, they called him the human tank. And Mighty Igor was kind of like a simple-minded Polish guy who wore uh, long johns uh, that were cut off at the knees under his tights. He didn't wear wrestling shoes. He wore like, uh, sometimes they looked almost like uh, like bowling shoes or something. I don't know. But for as big as Mighty Igor was, he was this big. Uh, one time he was like a power lifter and a bodybuilder and everything. As big as he was, I always notice he looks like he has like a size five shoe in a men's size. He has really tiny little feet. His his son is on uh, online. Uh, I've, he's commented on some like if I've commented on things, he's commented back about uh, Dick Garza, which was his dad, mighty the mighty Igor. Uh, Taylor Hendricks, very hot. I got to see her in Charlotte one year and got to watch her wrestle, which was awesome because she is so hot and she was a great heel. Great, she really good wrestler and good heel persona and she had on a, a outfit that was kind of like a poison uh tribute to poison ivy from batman comics and man she's hot Woo! she has a youtube channel now and she doesn't just talk about wrestling she talks about just about everything really nice person very nice girl or woman uh person i'm sorry I uh, watched the Abdul of the Butcher, um, Dark Side of the Ring the other night. It was I, I love Abdul the Butcher. I followed his followed him forever since I was a little kid, and when he was only when he was in Detroit, and I don't even think he was three hundred pounds at the time. They said he was, but he compared to how big he got later. Uh, but this one was okay. Um, 
there is another Abdullah the Butcher. Or our video did an Abdullah the Butcher uh, shoot interview, which was really good. And I've seen some other ones he did, and he kayfabe the whole time, and it sucked. But RF video's old one was was good. And then um, they they have a uh, Icons of Wrestling uh, series that was on that had uh, Pepper Gomez, Luthez, Gorgeous George, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, and I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Gene Stanley. Uh, they those were all really good. Um, I think maybe those were made for Canadian TV, and um, um, but that one was better than this dark side of the ring because this dark side of the ring they concentrated just mostly on you know him cutting himself you know blading like all the time uh, uh which he, he didn't do like maybe it was because it was in the territories and he, but like he'd be on tv he didn't blade on tv i mean like if you were in at, at the matches and the and the uh and it was a brutal match between him and brody or uh the Sheik, or um, let me see, of course, Puerto Rico, Carlos Colon, or Victor Jovica, or uh, Pompero Furpo, or something. I mean, I remember watch, seeing matches in magazines and stuff like that, where it would even be, you know, uh, matches at Cobo Hall and stuff, and uh, he wasn't necessarily bleeding like crazy all the time. He got that way when he got older. But even like uh, on world class and things like that, if he was wrestling Kevin Von Erich or something, he might not, you know, bleed. But anyway, they covered a lot of the stuff. About half of the goddamn show was about him and uh, hepatitis, having hepatitis C and getting sued by uh, he uh, Hannibal and things like that. So, I mean, there was his career is so long and there's so much they could have done with it. And uh, it was all right. It was worth a watch, but compared to some of the other Dark Sides of the Ring, it wasn't that good to me. They found some uh, from Dave Dynasty's channel, YouTube channel. I found some old big-time wrestling from uh, 1968, 75, 76, and around that at time, uh, which is what I grew up on uh, when I was a little kid out of Detroit. Um, and let's get off the wrestling. Uh, there's uh, Mandy Rose. Uh, doing a fashion show in a bikini. Looks pretty good to me. I always thought she was really hot. And then she's doing like an only... She quit WWE, which is probably a good thing because, I mean, who wants to uh, end up with a, your, uh, a lady, end up with, a, you know, neck and back uh, issues, concussions, and all kinds of stuff like that. And she's really hot. Uh, she does the OnlyFans thing now, and I think she said she made, like, fucking, I can't remember how many millions of dollars just right off the bat. Um, so, anyway, more power to her. Rufus R. Jones versus Butch Reed. I love watching Rufus back in the day, uh, Mid-Atlantic uh, Championship Wrestling, Wide World Wrestling. Um, Rufus would uh, just beat the shit out of guys um, with his big old ham bones, the way he punched and everything. Uh, he was pretty cool. And um, he was a big f crowd favorite back in the day. Let's go over to some movies. Hello, everyone. Uh, let's go to Silver and Gold. What? How much time we got on here? So I've run off half the or uh, yeah, a quarter of the people with uh, comic book talk. Another quarter of the people with uh, some wrestling talk. And let's go to Juggaloppenheimer. <laughs> Juggaloppenheimer. <laughs> a crossover between the Juggalos and the movie Oppenheimer, which I will be going to see probably this week. Uh, my sister wants to go see it. 
And uh, so we're going to go see Oppenheimer, but we didn't want to go when it was real crowded. We can, since it's summertime, we can go, you know, to a matinee and probably not be a lot of people in there. We did go see um, the new Indiana Jones movie, which I thought was really good. Uh, it was two hours, I think, and 30 minutes maybe. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I didn't know how I would feel. I mean, of course, we made some comments about you know, in, in a couple of parts where Indiana Jones's hat doesn't doesn't come off, even though he's like on top of a fucking moving train and all this shit's going on, or some of the I thought the the um, CGI AI kind of a shit with the um, you know uh, making him look younger. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and there was one character i actually asked my sister if that person that actor was still alive i wasn't sure so uh and um but you got a lot of callbacks to some people from other movies and there was one uh, actor that showed up that really surprised me and i even had to kind of i thought it was somebody else and my sister looked over at me and said the guy's name and i was like oh shit i thought it was i can't remember who i thought it was i thought it was somebody else um i thought there was one person in there i thought it was maybe i thought it was ben kingsley but it wasn't it was it was another actor a famous actor um let's see what else about indiana jones lots of good action i i liked uh, that mads was in it i really liked that uh, I thought the, that the uh, lady that was in it, what was her name? I want to give her, her some do, her do. Uh, let's see here. I thought she reminded me of Kira Knightley. Let's see, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, uh, just her physicality and kind of the way she looked i thought she she sort of reminded me of kira knightley um i'm gonna sneeze wait a minute maybe not <coughs> surprise i sneezed anyway <coughs> i think take a drink um so you got a lot of nostalgia there i loved um seanette renee wilson loved 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 she is so beautiful and I really enjoyed her character in this. And I want to see her in other stuff. I would like to see her <clears throat> The character that she portrays in this have her own spinoff. Her, she played Mason. And, uh, God, she was gorgeous. I loved it. And uh, the uh, her, um, you know, the style, her uh, 60s, uh, maybe early 70s style that she had was just awesome. I think that that like I said that character and do a um, a spin-off of her in the uh 1960s and uh early 70s. Awesome character, beautiful actress and she was really good. I said actress not actor. I'm so sorry. Um let's see who else. Uh da -da -da -da. okay. Uh again Mads was great. He's great in everything in my opinion. We didn't have um, Shia LaBeouf, so that's not a, a bad thing for me. Even though I've seen him in a few... Oh, my God, did I just click off my God? Yes, I, you did, you dumb fucker. I just clicked off my Facebook. Okay, it came back up. 
Uh, let's see what else we got here. Silver and gold. Dead air. In the white room with black curtains in the station. Uh, the movie Partisan from 2015 uh, with Vincent Casal. Uh, who else is in this? Chugga, chugga, chugga. Uh, let's see. Directed by Ariel Kleiman. Uh, writing credits. We have Ariel Kleiman and Sarah Kingler. And uh, let's see. Uh, Vincent Casal. Florence Mazzara. Esther Blazer. Takarev. Charlotte Miller. Yeah, lots, of, lots of children. Uh, and let's go back. And I'll give you a little synopsis. I thought this was pretty good. I bought it. Um, <clears throat> Alexander, a boy who has been raised in a sequestered commune, finds that his increasing unwillingness to fall in line puts him on an odd collision course with Grigori, the society's charismatic and domineering leader. Um, sort of reminds me of that Ant Hill gang kind of deal. Um, where a cult-like leader um, has these, I mean, in the Ant Hill um, cult or Ant Hill kids, uh, it wasn't just the kids, of course, you know. Well, I mean, in, in Partisans, too. It's sort of the same thing. Um, maybe not quite. I mean, the Ant Hill thing was very was pretty brutal, but um, <clears throat> the Vin Vincent Cassell character um, he does have like this commune, and they live outside of um, you know off the grid, outside of society, sort of, or live off of society, but refuse to uh, kind of bend to how things are done, social. Uh, mores and laws and everything so he kind of um, trains these kids uh to be when i say predators i don't i mean more like um you know he looks at like you're either a sheep or a wolf or you know you know what i'm saying or you know a fox or a chicken and um so he you know the and the, of course you know when you're a little kid you don't know any better this is just how they're raised, and they live in this this uh, kind of commune. Uh, but he he teaches them and trains them on how to commit crimes and things like that. It's kind of disturbing, <laughs> but it's good. I mean, I I you know I chuckle, but I mean it wasn't great, but I thought it was pretty good. So something if you haven't seen it, you might want to check out, especially if you like Vincent Cassel, which I like him a lot. I I w would watch just about anything he's in. Okay, everyone, let's scroll down. I hope I'm doing that. If you know who that guy is, uh, then you might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, let's see, Terry Talks Movies uh, for this week. We have a Science Fiction Saturday, Super Mario, Super Mario Nation, the Jerry and Silva Anderson Collection, I haven't watched that yet. I just saw that he posted that uh, right now, so I need to go watch that. I love his videos are great, and Sal's videos are great too about her crafting and 
her different hobbies and everything. Uh, I sometimes I will watch her stuff just it's just uh, awesome just to you know it's like anybody I mean I don't know if there's anybody that would think like about me even though I'm talking about shit that you might not be interested in but when you're watching a podcast or listening to a podcast or watching a video and somebody's talking about um, something that they're passionate about of course you know we're passionate about movies and you know there's different things like you know motorcycles and scooters or wrestling or comic books or uh you know uh anime manga uh what else uh cowboy i'm looking around the room cowboy hats uh civil rights uh human rights uh buddy jesus uh my uh you know green lantern thor and uh, joker mugs and uh you know just stupid shit anyway um but um you know it's sometimes if if it's somebody that you're that you're friends with or even somebody that you're not friends with but they're really passionate about a subject it's like i think will and sammy had talked about before some documentaries that uh like uh, hero dreams of sushi of course i'd like to eat sushi and everything but i never thought that i would like you know want to sit and watch a, a documentary about you know uh, sushi chefs but that was so good or the movie salesman or the documentary salesman about the bible salesman i have no interest in bible salesman but you know i was a salesman at one time straight out of college and you know i fucking hated it but uh, at that but that move that documentary was really good so anyway uh sal's um stuff is is good too let me let me i want to give her a shout out for her uh her uh youtube channel let's see it's in I, I usually share her um, stuff on the feedback group because we have a lot of ladies on the feedback group that would appreciate some of that stuff too and uh, some gentlemen also let me scroll down here where yet um, let's see one day savings unboxing first impressions two diamond painting kits it's middle-aged geek girl is what it is but uh... hello and welcome to middle-aged geek girl i'm sally so today I... so there she is middle-aged it's middle middle space aged space geek space girl which is g-r-r-r-l so it's g three r's and an l and you'll get um middle-aged geek girl and see some of the stuff that she's she's talking about some of her crafting and unpackaging and things that she gets in the mail or that she finds that she's interested in we have some um let's see diamond dart gift unboxing biggest craft unbagging i like watching um uh people do unba unbagging and unboxing stuff of things that they get uh they order in the mail and just as they're taking them out and explaining them talking about you know you know how much they like them or that maybe sometimes they're disappointed or the thing comes in the box is mashed or something um but we have a lot of stuff here that she does lots of crafting stuff um so anyway if you want to support sal it'd be it'd be awesome and it's uh, her uh you know if if you're not from australia and uh you know her accent is pretty awesome too and she's a good good lady uh let's see here and i hope that's not a slur these days a good egg how about that a good person 
Uh, let's see, everyone. Uh, Klaus Kinski on David Letterman. That was a pretty good interview. I, I thought uh, that Klaus, I think that he had uh, watched some uh, David Letterman episodes. So he actually was excited and happy and kind of pumped up to be on the show. I had read um, Klaus Kinski's uh, bio book, and um, it's very shocking. But then you, I came to find out that I think he and Werner Herzog admitted that they tried to make it as shocking as possible and put in stuff that was like overly over the top taboo stuff. Like, you know, Klaus Kinski supposedly screwed some neighborhood woman when he was like 11 years old or something. But, you know, then as I'm saying this, I do recall, didn't his daughter accuse him of of sexual improprieties or molestation. Let me look that up. So maybe it's not funny. Uh, Klaus Kinski. In uh, Klaus Kinski repeatedly raped me during my childhood. Okay, let's look this up. I think I thought I remembered something about that. It wasn't Natasha. It was I think his other. Let's see. Uh, yeah, uh, Pola, uh, the elder, the eldest daughter of German actor Klaus Kinski, has claimed uh, she was sexually abused by him when she was a child. In an interview, Pola Kinski said her father, best known for lead actor in films by director Werner Herzog, repeatedly raped her over a 14-year period. Uh, he started touching me and kissing me with an open mouth when I was quite small around five or six years old he told she told stern magazine in an interview published on thursday this was when uh does it have a date i don't see a date uh 20 years after his death the self-taught actor who became something of a german legend is unable to answer the claims but his daughter said that Having spent years living in fear that no one would believe her, she finally decided to break her silence. She, at the time of this article, was 60, Pola Kinski. Uh, as a child, I always had to keep my mouth shut because he was always threatening me, and I was dependent on him on, and on his affection. Uh, she added her father told her his behavior was quite natural. Uh, he said all over the world, fathers do the same thing with their daughters. In her book... Uh, Kindermund or Child's Mouth Pola Kinski goes into graphic detail of the alleged abuse by her father who died of a heart attack in 1991 she describes how torn she felt da, 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 and wanting to reject his advances feeling, feelings of guilt torture me, uh, torture me that, I, that I disappointed him that I never let him do it. I cried unrestrained, unrestrainedly. Okay, this is awful. Let's see. She told the magazine that he'd never been able to watch any of her father's films in which he typically plays a tyrant, criminal, or outlaw. When I did catch a glimpse of one, I always thought he precisely like he is at, the, at home. Uh, whether people believe me or not, I was the one who experienced it. Ugh. I'll see. I didn't expect to go into this, so I'm just reading along here as, as I'm talking. Uh, let's 
see. Well, I mean, I, I maybe that's a book that I would want to check out. Maybe let me make a bookmark here. Uh, that's awful. I hate to see anybody go through that. And then, you know, of course, you have people that like even with like Mackenzie Phillips that, you know, came out and said that um, John Phillips of the Mama and Papas, her father, that she had an incestuous affair with him. And people were coming out saying, oh, she's just trying to sell books and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't think I would ever need that kind of money that I would want everybody to know. Or, you know, if I wanted people to know, it would just be to share this uh, story so that other people that went through the same thing would be able to know that they're not the only one out there, you know. But, God, that's that's just awful. Um Here's another Terry Talks movies. He must have put two out in two days. Science Fiction Saturday preview. Okay. And I started to watch Line Walker 2, Invisible Spy. And um, uh, Large William asked me, uh, you know, how was it? And I said, I, you know, to be honest with you, I, the, not, not even a critique of the movie because I didn't. I started watching it and I think I got to the titles at the beginning of the movie and just a little bit and I fell asleep and I woke up and it was it was off so I need to go back and watch that and finish or not finish it how could I actually start it might be nice cheese and pickle Doritos I don't know Jason if that's real uh, let us know what you think <laughs> let's see what's he say here does he say he liked it oh I'll definitely try this oh no 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 that's uh, somebody else saying that they would try it no, 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 no. No, that is Jason. So I don't know if that's a fake thing or if that's actually real. We have we have a humor on uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, Gregory Peck, uh, The Gunfighter, really good movie from back in the day, black and white movie. Has um, Carl Malden in it and uh, Richard Jekyll is also in it. Uh, I thought this was a pretty good movie about a... Um, a guy with a past, uh, you know, a guy, uh, you know, it's it's Johnny Ringo, so I don't know if it's, you know, supposed to be based on the Ringo from uh, uh, Tombstone, you know, which was a real guy. Uh, but the basic story of it is is a guy who has built a reputation, uh, maybe not, maybe, maybe from his younger days when he was wild and woolly, or maybe not by his own... Uh, it's like uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, uh, um, Pudgy McCabe, uh, who was um, Warren Beatty's character, had this reputation uh, that was built on kind of like a word of mouth spreading of kind of a legend kind of a deal where it kind of lets you know that, you know, one thing might happen and then, like, say if it's Billy the Kid or something and he shoots a guy, uh, then by the time people are talking and spreading it, he's the fastest gun in the West. He's killed over 50 men. You know, he's the fastest lightning and all this shit. And uh, that's kind of like the kind of legend that Gregory Peck has uh, uh, surrounding him, following him. Uh, and it's something that he probably doesn't. And the same with... Uh, with uh, McCabe in um, uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, but I think in that movie uh, that that his whole legend was spread by gossip 
and stuff like that about him you know shooting one guy in a card game because the guy was cheating and the guy like pulled a gun on him and he just happened to shoot the guy first but he wasn't like a gunslinger or somebody who was you know uh the 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 actual legend that people were going around saying but i think in the gunfighter gregory peck's character did do a uh, a lot of these things even though the legend was even greater than probably what some of the stuff was that he did he was dangerous he was uh somebody who had been in these kind of things but he didn't want trouble and he was tired of people coming up and trying him or you know young young uh guys with too much testosterone and too much liquor in them wanting to make a name off of him and it became tiresome and and uh you know and plus then he had a certain amount of guilt of you know putting these guys you know even if even if he was defending himself you know he's still killing these people but this was a good movie i thought it had a really good um good uh, story to it uh, and i like gregory peck and just about everything i did watch the um let me check the time here. I did watch the uh, Klaus Kinski, David Letterman interview and then watched uh, the Werner Herzog, uh, which uh, had taken place uh, before uh, the um, Kinski interview because Letterman references this interview to Kinski and Kinski tries to clear some things up about uh, the legend of Werner Herzog pulling a gun on Kinski when they were making Fitzcarraldo and he says he tells that story over and over and over and over and uh, that the only person that had a gun uh, in the rainforest uh, during the making of Fitzcarraldo was Kinski he had a, a 30-30 lever action western rifle but I think the story was that Kinski was ranting and raving and going off and saying he was going to leave and Herzog said if you leave uh, by the time you hit the first curve in the river you're going to be filled with bullets or arrows or something like that because he said he would get the natives to to kill him or something so it was one of those deals and again like the Gregory Peck and the uh, McCabe and Miss Miller thing this is another example but with this they have modern technology to spread these legends you know and they grow bigger and bigger and bigger I watched um Franco Nero in uh, Kioma, uh, which was an Enzo Castellare movie. And I thought this was pretty good. Uh, very violent, but uh, I liked seeing, um, you know, Franco Nero driving down the road with my sword of shotgun. <coughs> I <coughs> can't do this. <coughs> I will shoot the bad guys with my sword of shotgun riding my horse trying to get a sandwich had to stop and pick up some fucking sick bitch she might have the plague I don't even care cause I have my shotgun and my long shaggy hair anyway this was pretty good I, I had not seen this and I had missed it for a long time I believe it is on 
is it on Pluto? Uh, no, 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 it wasn't Pluto. It was on an in-demand on... Fuck! There was... It's one of the... God damn it, what channel was it? It's, there's one on there that I never have tried, but I had downloaded this uh, app to my Roku. And I thought, oh, what's this? Because I was going to go through and you know, delete some of the apps on there that I don't use. And I clicked on it, and I can't remember which one it was. Maybe... Was it, it might have been Vimeo, V I M E O. And I had put that on there, but I never looked at it or checked it out or to see what, what they had on there. And they had a shit ton of stuff on there. Now, again, some of the stuff, uh, you know, it has, they put commercials in. That's why they can show it. But still, that's how I watched movies back in the day when I watched them on TV. And uh, it's free. And uh, also, I found a bunch of, uh, in-demand movies. I mean, a shitload like Fat City and a lot of movies that I really enjoy watching. Classics that I've watched over and over. Classics to me. Ones that are my favorites and things like that on just YouTube. Under their movies, they have uh, not ones that you have to pay for, but you know, ones with uh, dig it. Um, ones with commercials, but they're still, you know, hey, if it's free, what the fuck? Um, there is a movie coming out called Adrenochrome. And um, what the heck's the other name for that movie? It's Adrenochrome, but it is... Let me look it up. There's another name for it. Uh, oh, shit. It's an also... No oh, uh... <clears throat> Miseralu which is the, that, that's the um, music, uh, like, is that the surfer music? Or a song, or music, musical? Do, 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 take it back. Do, 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 take it back. Sylvester Stallone. Mira, salut, mir. How do you spell that? Mizirlu. Mizirlu. <laughs> I got an R. Mizir. Okay, yeah, there we go. Dick Dale. Yeah. Rung, rung, rung. Isn't that the one that goes? Rung, rung, rung. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I thought that's what, it, but anyway, so we have this um, Adrenochrome movie which stars Larry Bishop. Uh, I don't know if my voice can do it. Adrene uh, Chrome movie. The uh, it looks really super low budget, and it looks, uh, of course, it's coming out uh, about the exact same time that the Sound of Freedom fucking uh, movie, uh, QAnon fucking uh, right wing uh, propaganda movie with uh Jesus Caviezel, who I believe now, I think this motherfucker thinks that he is Jesus. I just saw a thing the other day where Jim Caviezel sent a tweet to Donald Trump 
saying that Donald Trump, now I, I'm thinking this is real. Of course, it could be just somebody trolling Trump or whatever, but it said it was from the real Jim Caviezel, and I think it had a blue check mark on Twitter. But um, it was saying, you know, Caviezel, well, no, actually, because I saw the fucking uh, interview that somebody did with Jim Caviezel, and he was saying how Trump was sent by God and by Jesus and all this stuff, and he was saying that Trump is the new Moses and he was going to lead the uh, you know the world to the promised land but at the end of this tweet he said you you know Do uh, Donald Trump you are the new Moses but don't ever forget I'm Jesus or something and he put these little crosses after it and I'm like okay the, the him and Mel Gibson and these guys okay they put out a movie about um, you know uh, child uh, sex trafficking or whatever and um, now from what I heard that you know this guy is a, a based on a based on a real guy but like this guy did not go down to South America and like John Wick and and save these kids and everything and um, so it's kind of a work of fiction but you know you can't the thing is the way they have it set up is and the way they did this was um, you can't um, you know there are uh, child uh, sex trafficking and things like that uh, I don't believe that it has to do with uh, um, and Caviezel I saw an interview where he was talking about adrenochrome and all this shit which was out of a uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with Johnny Depp um, and these motherfuckers are saying like Hillary Clinton is the head of this thing and and she drinks like a vampire drinks these chi children's blood and uh, they they uh, it's almost like the movie Martyrs where they uh, have to bring the kids uh, to enough uh, like fear and pain that their bodies um, uh, I guess kick in the the uh, adrenaline and then they suck the blood out or, or, or uh, you know, take the blood out of these little kids and then they drink it and that's why they all look so young and all this shit. And ho oh, <laughs> the Clinton, <laughs> the Clintons <laughs> in Hollywood. See, Jesus is killing me right now. Or the CIA. They're the ones that are behind all this and everything. But they put out this movie about... um. um child sex trafficking and everything and you know who's behind it and uh caviezel's a fucking uh christo fascist fucking fanatic moron mel gibson's a fucking uh christo fucking fanatic goober and then they're they're um like cooking the books so it's like when a when a like a right-wing douchebag fucking puts out a book and it goes to number one, but then you find out that like um, these big right-wing super PACs uh, bought thousands or millions of copies of these books so that the it'll get on the New York Times bestseller list. And that's what they're doing with this movie. First of all, they're they're rallying their troops to go see it, but they're also um, you see it everywhere where they're they're um, buying up big blocks of tickets to movie theaters and stuff and giving the tickets away for free so and then of course having all their bot accounts and stuff going to um <clears throat> rotten tomatoes 
and uh, you know rigging the the poles on there and the numbers to so that it has like hundred percent fresh and a hundred percent this and that and everything I must see and all this shit. Um, I haven't seen the movie and I would go into it with um, with my eyes wide open, but also there's some you know like the one. Um, movie about Benghazi that uh, Jim from The Office was in or uh, American Sniper or something like that, you know, I would go into and even uh, Dragged Across Concrete. They said that the director of that has these, you know, has right these right wing uh, uh, sensibilities or whatever or leanings and everything. But I can watch those movies and say, OK, well, you know, this is a good movie or, you know, it's enter- it's entertainment for enter- entertaining for entertainment purposes. But I don't support the the fucking weirdo fanatical American Taliban that's fucking behind this shit. But then if you say that, <clears throat> then they will say, well, what? You must be uh, for pedophilia or you must be a fucking pedophile or something like that. And it's like, so they've set it up as kind of like a no win situation. If you say something about the people that made this movie or about people that um, were in this movie that are fucking goobers that get on uh, interviews and talk about adrenochrome and all this shit. You know, I'm against uh, fucking pedophiles. I'm against child pedophilia. I'm against sexual abuse and rape and everything like that. Um, and these douchebags are douchebags. Uh, I would support any movie that sh- speaks out against that, w- that would help stop that shit. But these fuckers are, it would be like if the Taliban in fucking uh, uh, Afghanistan put out a movie about, uh, you know, uh, you know, protect, you know, we have to save these kids and everything. But then, you know, that they're going around and fucking cutting people's heads off and doing all kinds of shit, you know, um, and won't let women fucking you know, dress the way they want to and will kill them and rape them and everything else. So, I mean, you, you know, you guys know what I'm fucking talking about. It's, it's a strategy that they have put out, uh, you know, bash this movie and you're showing that you're for pedophilia vote for Hillary Clinton. Who's not running for anything, but you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the pizza gate thing, you know, they don't care that they're spreading this shit and people are going around looking for, uh, child molesters in the, basement of a pizza parlor that doesn't even have a basement and coming in with a gun and all this shit. So it's pretty evil to use this kind of subject matter in that way. Um, I think that if, uh, if this movie was made by fucking, you know, Brad Pitt and Clooney and uh, I don't know who, just anybody. But, you know, uh, you know, you got Mel Gibson and fucking uh, Jesus Caviezel. And those two are like fucking lunatics. And I like Mel Gibson's movies. I like him as an actor. But he's his this fucking shit that he spews. Again, uh, these kind of people would be against the Taliban. But the only reason they would be against the Taliban is because they're Muslims. It's not because of how they think. If all the the same people in the Taliban were Christians and they were saying women should wear burqas 
Uh, they shouldn't be able to work. They shouldn't be able to drive. Uh, you know, uh, you should be able to behead people and all this and that. But you're a Christian. They'd be all for that because that's the way it used to be. The good old days when you could say whatever you wanted. And if somebody did something, you just knocked the shit out of them. And women knew their place and all this stuff. Uh, if it, they're, they're the Christian Taliban. And they would be more than happy to have a big daddy uh, to fucking uh, worship like a god who would uh, let them fucking be their macho dream person, you know, that goes around and can rape women. And and if a woman doesn't want to go out with them or whatever, well, that's what the fuck's their fucking problem. You know, the incel uh, or the Andrew Tate fucking douchebag macho fucking scumbag fucking um, um, chauvinist you know proud I'm a proud chauvinist well go fuck yourself grow up uh, anyway I'm just about done it's uh almost two hours let's go back to Sylvan Gold and see if we got it. so the adrenochrome movie looks really low budget it looks really wild and crazy it's probably a total piece of shit but it has Trevor Sims Larry Larry Bishop uh, Adam Huss, Lewis Smith, and Tom Sizemore before he died. So I don't know when this fucking thing's coming out. The, if you watch the trailer, it looks pretty crappy, but the chicken is pretty hot, and she has some cool-looking, weird, strange makeup on. I uh, watched Angel Heart with Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro. Came to find out that Robert De Niro uh, cannot stand Mickey Rourke now, and I think it goes both ways. Uh, Robert De Niro kind of wanted to stay in character, and I think... Uh, Mickey Rourke probably liked Robert De Niro and was a fan of his, but then when they worked together, De Niro kind of wanted to stay in character and didn't want to even talk to Mickey Rourke and probably kind of blew him off because he was supposed to be Lewis Cipher and all this shit. There's a lot of good trivia about this movie, but I, I still, I, I agree with some of the other people on the group that I think this was probably Mickey Rourke maybe his finest performance and one of his best movies uh best movie altogether i love all the stuff that they um the costumes and everything and that they got these old trains and old um uh, tr uh tr trolleys and things like that one thing i found out was in the book and i'd like to read the book now the book <clears throat> takes place supposedly entirely in new in nyc uh, there is no thing where they go to uh, New Orleans in Louisiana. Um, so I would like to check that out and see, you know, some of the other differences and everything. But I love this movie. I thought it was really good. Mickey Rourke was great in it. Charlotte Rampling was great. Uh, of course, De Niro. And uh, it was just an awesome movie. Uh, Lords of Flatbush. Bow, 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 bow. Do, 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 do. Hey, hey, what do you say? Looks like it's gonna be a very fun day. Uh, in it was 1958 when making love meant making out. The Lords of Flatbush. When was the last time somebody gave you a hickey? You know that takes me back. <laughs> It really does. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't like a teenager in 1958, but it does remind you of of, you know, back in the day and and um because of Greece and uh Shaanaa and that stuff, uh when I was a little kid and like in um uh, 
like you know fifth sixth grade and uh maybe uh junior high uh you know a lot of my friends and stuff we were into the greaser look because of Sean on on because of Greece and because of Lords of Flatbush uh we loved that movie you know and uh, uh Perry King and uh Stallone and Henry Winkler I just thought that was I loved that movie that was uh, uh brought up by Brian of the group a top contributor uh let's see what else we got here real quick uh traveling executioner with stacy keach i big recommend that if nobody's seen it it's a very weird and quirky movie but it's not i think it was out of print for a long time uh the only way that i found it a long time ago when i first started listening to the ggtmc and uh a lot more of us were you know nowadays like I said, everything's on fucking free streaming or uh, readily available on YouTube or whatever. But back in the day when we had to uh, resort to other means to uh, watch stuff that was out of print or that was hard to find, uh, The Traveling Executioner was one that I stumbled across. And I love Stacy Keach, so I, I this was a really good movie. And it's, it's just different. Uh, it's something that you I, I recommend that you all check out. Uh, I have not seen this one yet, but I posted the um, the poster for it, which is Ooga Booga Beyond Django, starring Karen Black and Stacy Keach. He's 16 inches with an attitude. And it's like a little, uh, not a tiki, but a little kind of a thing like that. Uh, that is a tribal tiki that comes to life. It always kind of reminds me of the thing that uh, was in the, uh, Karen, the movie with Karen Black that had the different segments and there was like a little uh uh savage native uh doll that uh that kind of uh, was tormenting her but this is called Uga Booga Beyond Django Karen Black and Stacy Keach he's 16 inches with an attitude okay i think i'm going to shut it down let me check here real quick i did want to mention that i watched a video by a an adult film actress uh, who is uh, trans, and I uh, posted the um, the video of it on uh, Sylvan Gold. I thought it was pretty interesting because um, th- she was talking about uh, says my struggles with the adult industry and why I wouldn't re- recommend adult work. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but it was pretty interesting and just told about the, the kind of shitty things as far as business goes, uh, about, you know, just how they portray people as being just these uh, nymphomaniacal, uh, you know, sex-obsessed, uh, you know, people but you know what do you do when you're when you don't feel like doing it or you don't feel like you know having sex or you have physical problems or physical ailments from you know your work and then being underpaid and people trying to shaft you on your money and uh then just you know it being out there that that's what you do for a living and the whole thing about this was it was interesting because this person is a trans um, adult film actress. So there was a different perspective fr- from there too. So it was pretty good. I don't know if this person has a, a page or a group. Let me look. I just saw that video and I thought, hey, I'm going to watch this. It is 
my struggles with the adult industry and why I wouldn't recommend adult work. And it's Daisy Taylor. I'm going to see if she has like a whole channel or if that was just... Okay, yeah, she has a channel. Uh, it's at here on Neptune. And it's Daisy Taylor. And it just, I guess, it might be like... Um, oh, who was I talking about a minute ago that was just... I think Sasha Gray has a a uh, channel too. But, I mean, she doesn't just talk about porn. And she talks... Oh, I was talking about... Um, uh, Taylor Hendricks from wrestling, the female wrestler, uh, where, you know, they're using their fame to, you know, start their channel and everything. But like Sasha Gray talks about cooking and things like that. So, again, it's just something that it's an interesting person. And, you know, you're not on there talking about, hey, yeah, so I got my dick sucked the other day and I did this and I did that. and blah, blah, blah. But they're they're it shows that they're people, you know, they're human fucking beings, you know, and I think a lot of people lose track of that because they see them as an just an avatar almost uh, for, you know, masturbating or whatever. But that was interesting. And I'm just about at two hours. I got about 10 seconds to go. So I'm going to shut it off. And I hope you guys enjoyed this different kind of episode with some different topics. And I will talk to you later. Goodbye. Hello, everyone. It's me again. No, goodbye.